going on, man? Hey, man. How are you? How are How are you? I, 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 I we actually have I haven't seen you since last week uh, when we did when we did this show. So let's do just a quick. Do you like in. this thing I'm growing here on the beard? You can't see it, can you? Well, it's too gray. I know. That's the problem. <laughs> that's the problem. <laughs> I, guys, I had to throw in a little you, a little Thank zinger uh, to to get the show going. Um, no, are you, are you growing a, a mustache or is it or is it a beard? No, it's kind of one of these just a partial beard. It, just because I burned all that stuff off my face, you know, with the five fu. Yeah. So kind of hard to shave when you're doing that. So I just left a little bit. You, you know the scar. I, I can't. It'll be gone in a week. <laughs> no, I dig it. I dig it. You got that look of like. I'm sophisticated, but I'm also kind of chill at the same time. Yeah. You know, I'm getting into studying all these intellectual guys, you know. Uh, matter of fact, I'll, I want to read you a quote that I, I had a patient that came in today that, that gave me this quote, and I liked it so much I told her that I was going to put it on tonight's little uh, Q&A session. You know, remember the psychiatrist Carl Jung? I do. It's actually yeah. with a J, though. He's a famous swiss yeah psychiatrist who's kind of father of modern day psychiatry but he had this quote i liked that she brought into me and it says your vision will become clear only when you look into your heart who looks outside dreams who looks inside awakens carl jung Interesting. So that's more it's kind of like an intro introspection. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. I, I kind of like that quote, really. I dig but, that. You know, I'm studying all these guys like Da Vinci, and I'm looking at some of his stuff. And some of these older guys are really smart. You know, we can learn a lot from them. It, yeah, I've also heard the quote that, like, it's it's better to, like, reread the like the best 10 books of all time versus, like, you know, try and read as many books as possible. So like if you find a book that you really, really connect with, you know, it's as beneficial or more beneficial to just, you know, dive deep into it, you know, reread it, uh, yeah, go over a it with a, with a fine tooth comb. Um, I, I had so many good patients today that, uh, a lot of new patients and a lot of them that I really enjoyed because I think I can help them. You know, they're just searching for an answer as to why they're overweight or, you know, have these autoimmune issues or gut problems. And um, it's just really interesting to to meet them and try to set them in a direction of better health, because a lot of them just don't know what's possible. And that's what kind of excites me about medicine and all the the new things and the new thoughts and, and unless you're continually studying and observing, you know, and are curious about the human condition, then, you know, you're not doing your yourself or your patient's justice. I don't think, um, it's just a new way of looking. I think I put three or four people today on the carnivore diet. You know, they're asking about, it. I did a podcast on one and, I can almost guarantee that they will do better. They'll get leaner. They'll their autoimmune issues will get better, and they'll have more energy, and their gut will be better too. Um, the autoimmune 
diet to me, the best autoimmune diet's a carnivore diet. Mm. Um, you know, when I was having those gut problems, that really helped me, along with Robin's expertise and the GI map, that really helped me a whole lot. So it's kind of different for, you know, when I'm sitting there telling patients, some patients, not to eat vegetables. And I tell a lot of patients, don't eat vegetables. And I, and I go, I bet you've never heard a doctor say that before, have you? <laughs> <laughs> and they're kind of shocked. But then when they come back after being on the carnivore diet, they just feel so much better. And a lot of times it just turns them around completely. Um, it's really interesting, though. Yeah. I tell them, they say why, and I go, well, for one thing, plants don't like to be eaten. Um, it makes total they, sense. Yeah. They, they manufacture all this toxic stuff to our bodies. And anybody with IBS, the way I diagnose IBS, irritable bowel syndrome, is say, what happens when you eat a salad? They say, I can't eat salads. It tears my gut up. Well, you have IBS, which is just a death. It's a name for something where we don't know exactly what it is. Although we know really it's a, it's a dysfunction of your gut microbiome. So, you know, you got to kind of think outside the box a little bit. Um, but uh, that's what like Dan Bolton, you're mentioning Dan, you know, he's just a fascinating guy to, to listen to and to know, you know, he, he's a really smart guy and he, he looked outside the box and, and along with the traditional cancer treatment, he, uh, he sought out some alternative stuff and uh, really did well. Doing great. It really is. I went and re-listened to that podcast this past week, and I really enjoyed it. It's a really inspiring story. And, um, you know, I, I, again, I think it really embodies this, this idea of taking control of your health. And just with what you're saying with the patients you saw today for the first time, like it's amazing how um, when people realize that there are solutions that you know if you're if you're feeling tired or if you're um, if you're feeling if you're in pain, like that there are things you can do. Um, and I, I love what you said about the gut with the carnivore diet. You know, even you know just the idea of like trying something like that, I think is is really encouraging. And uh, you know, I think that's a lot of what people get in the office with you and what we hope to, to give to people who are with us, uh, live on this show, you know, different, th different solutions that, that people can try that might be a little outside the box or outside of the traditional, um, uh, medical perspective. Uh, I saw a new patient today, for example, that, um, had Crohn's disease and through the years, and he'd actually had two major surgeries to move, remove different parts of his, his colon mm. and um, you know, he just, he was on all kinds of things, you know, all kinds of biologics and all kinds of medicines and, you know, still having a, a rough time with it. And because he'd come become tolerant to a lot of the, the heavy duty medications that he was on, including a lot of IV infusions and things of biologics. And, and I asked him if his GI doctor had ever, talk to him about what he ate and he said no and, and it's just i couldn't believe it it, yeah. it happens time and time again i'm just dumbfounded when i hear that but um anyway so we're gonna as a matter of fact i put him on the carnivore that's one of the ones i put on the carnivore diet i can't wait to see how he responds because he, he has some other issues as well and i think i think it'll help him 
you know, we'll see. I, I absolutely believe it. We've been talking a little bit with, uh, with our nutrition coach, Lucas Schmidt about, uh, he did a, an experiment on, on the carnivore and, and he was eating a ton on it and, and still lost weight. Um, and I'm, I, I think he's, he went modified was what he did. Um, but it seems to help a ton of people. Um, yeah. so, yeah. uh, yeah. we got some questions guys. Uh, all right. all right. For the, for the people who are new, uh, we take questions, uh, at the beginning of the show from, uh, from people who, uh, either submitted them through email or on one of our social channels. Um, and then the latter part of the show, we, uh, the second half, we take live questions. So if you have a question for Dr. Rogers, go ahead and put that in the comments and, uh, and we'll get to that here, uh, in a few minutes. So go ahead and start putting the question in. Uh, we're going to start with questions that came in uh, throughout the week. This is actually one uh, that I missed uh, last week and uh, really apologize. I hate it when I do this. Um, so I'm going to get this question in first. If I can, if I can find it, it looks like I've already missed it again. Oh, here we go. Question is, I know this may be more of a heart surgeon question, but can anything be done to help folks that are recovering from strokes, like regaining their ability to speak, walk, or use limbs? Um, so this is a stroke question. Um, what's your thoughts on kind of um, recovery? Yeah. <laughs> Certainly all kinds of stuff you can do. Um, but, of course, the first thing you think about is physical therapy, occupational therapy. Um, a lot of times you'll, you'll have to learn how to swallow again. Mm -hmm how to talk, how to move. Um, so a lot of it depends on, you know, where your stroke was located, your brain, and um, what caused it, um, whether it was hypertension or whether it was a bleed. Um, usually they're more ischemic strokes, meaning you, you know, the blood supply is cut off, not from a bleed. But, um, but anyway, yeah, I mean, physical therapy works wonders. Um, you know, um, I was reminded today about a, a case. My niece uh, was involved in a bad motor vehicle accident a few years ago while she was in college and a uh, very serious head injury, ended up spending several months in rehab down at, um, uh, in Atlanta at the world's most famous uh, recovery center for um, – things, head trauma, mm -hmm. and um, it's called the Shepherd Center. And uh, anyway, my brother, her dad, was talking to the nurse one day, and uh, he's also a doctor, and he says, why, you know, what, why are most people here? Is it through accidents? Is it, you know, strokes or what? And, and she goes, ladders. And he goes, what do you mean ladders? He goes, most of the people in here have fallen off ladders, I had a patient today. The reason I remember this is because one of my patients today or, um, had fallen off a ladder and punctured their lung, had a four-foot ladder, had oh. to get a chest tube. No kidding. Four-foot ladder had to have a chest tube because of fractured ribs and pneumothorax. So be careful with ladders. Just, wow. But, yeah, I mean, certainly that's – I'm getting off the subject. But, yeah, I mean, you have to do physical therapy, and it may take a while have to be really patient for this thing so um you know that's that's a great question uh, you got to use everything you can do in rehab to 
relearn everything from how to walk to how to talk to how to swallow. Um, th those are the real heroes uh, of the mm. people that have the patience to, to bring you through a re rehabilitation like that. Um, hope that answers your question. Uh, great question there. Thank you for putting that in. I'm, again, I apologize. That took me uh, a week to get to. Another question is, any suggestions for uh, curing gum diseases besides the normal brushing, flossing, uh, flossing, etc.? Um, one thing I wouldn't do is use mouthwash. I don't think mouthwash is good for anybody. Um, it just destroys all your good bacteria. Life Extension makes a pretty good um, oral probiotic that's good for gum health. Hmm. Um, it's good for your throat as well. Um, you know, again, you need to brush with the right kind of um, toothpaste. I found that I use um, different ones like and ones that don't have the bad stuff in it, like fluoride or SLS or some of that stuff. Um, I use one from Burt's Bees that really helps me a lot. I have real sensitive gums and, and uh, mouth in general. Um, that's one reason I take L-lysine, which I think will help you. Um, make sure you're taking a probiotic because remember, the first part of your, your digestive system is your mouth. So take care of your mouth. Um, one thing I like to do in the morning, one of the first things I do is get some coconut oil and I do uh, something called pulling. So I get a, a teaspoon of coconut oil. It's hard and organic coconut oil. And I put it in my mouth and I kind of pull it through my teeth and gums mm. for a few minutes. I think that's really healing and really healthy for your, for your mouth. And then avoid foods that, that irritate, that are inflammatory, like sugar, um, glutens, dairy. Um, so I like, the, I like the coconut oil pulling through your teeth, certainly flossing, gentle flossing, um, making sure you see your dentist. Um, uh, you know, there, there's even a question of some, some people like to get their metal feelings out. Yeah. Um, you know, because I think sometimes that irritates gums. I, I don't like, I'm not a big fan of fluoride either anymore. Um, <clears throat> you can do your deep dive on that. And it's really kind of toxic. Uh, but don't use mouthwash like Listerine and Scope. Just leave them out. They're, they're bad for your mouth and your GI tract. And take a probiotic. All right, great gum uh, gum disease question there. Uh, let's go up here. This is a... If your gums aren't healthy, your heart's not going to be healthy. You, you, the bacteria from your gums can seed right to your heart. So, um, interesting. All right, let's get to... Uh, this is a question around um, acne. Um, I have a 13-year-old son with acne on face, back, and shoulders. OTC does not seem to help much. I'm worried he will start scarring. I uh, just bought a proactive kit to try, but I'm not very optimistic. Uh, let's see here. His PCP uh, suggested antibiotics. I'm concerned with the idea of taking antibiotics long-term or uh, without being necessary for sickness. So the question is around Accutane and whether or not that's something you suggest. Um, 
Accutane from a dermatologist worked really great for their son, but can also have side effects. What's your thoughts on this? Yeah, you know, if it's just mild acne, you can try the retinol formulas like you just ordered. If it gets worse, then certainly I'm not against using doxycycline. Um, you know, for one thing about doxycycline, it's one antibiotic that does a lot of different things. I use it for a ton of different reasons, even sometimes treating things like rheumatoid arthritis. Um, I'll put them on a month of doxy and a lot, most of the time they get better. It's got some great anti-inflammatory effects and seems to, you know, it's pretty resistant to building up a tolerance with doxycycline. Certainly after age 12, you can use it. You don't want to use it as a young child because it can stain your teeth yellow. But um, so I'm not against that if it, if it gets worse. And then the next step, of course, is Accutane. So if you have cystic acne, um, you know, and you're worried about scarring, I'm okay with Accutane. It's a heavy hitter very expensive uh, unless your insurance covers it um it's really vitamin a it's a form of oral vitamin a um but it will it does have some side effects you know um at least it's your son and not your daughter because they have to do pregnancy tests um on females monthly and they also check uh lipid panels it can really pop up your triglycerides um, it'll really dry you out like a chip, but it really does work. So I think you got to weigh the, the benefits versus the risk. So it's really very severe cystic acne. Uh, you you want to get that early before it starts causing a lot of scarring for sure. So I'm not against it. Uh, try the other stuff first. If you get the feeling that's not working, uh, I would put on Accutane over, over nothing. I mean, the mental effects of that can be harsh. So, um, yeah, I'm not against it. Watch out for the side effects, do your routine blood work and, um, you know, get out your pocketbook if, if the insurance won't cover it. Uh, and this is kind of, question. this is kind of along the same lines, uh, with, you know, scanning kids. Uh, I have a daughter who suffers from eczema. I prefer natural solutions, but I'm open to other options that are felt to be overall safe if performance medicine has opinions on these skin issues, I'd love to hear them. Um, what's your thoughts on this? Yeah. Relating to both those questions. First of all, too, you look at what you eat. Um, you know, don't eat sugar. I mean, sugar makes acne worse. It makes eczema worse. Um, look at your diet. The first thing you look at with any of those kind of skin rashes is your gut. Look at what you're feeding it. If you're feeding it sugar or glutens or dairy and your gut's not working right, then, you know, just sometimes eliminating those bad foods and getting on a probiotic like Digestio will help. Um, but, uh, you know, eczema, you know, um, you can get on some pretty heavy hitters for that as well. Not Accutane, but Biologics. There's Skyreasy. There's all kinds of new ones you're going to see on TV all the time because they're high-dollar, you know, money-making uh, medications. And they, they do work pretty well for some people but again it's a heavy hitter and you know uh young person you know you're not exactly sure what that's going to do to their immune system later on down the line so if you can avoid the biologics i will you know of course start out with the the you know steroid creams and things like that drink a lot of water watch your diet i'm i'm even okay on going in uh you know for 
if it's worse during the winter to, uh, you know, get in a suntan bed if you need. Just don't get burned. Remember, the sun's good for you. Just sunburns are bad for you. Um, so I'm not against that for that condition. It depends on how extensive it is. Psoriasis is usually worse than eczema, but they're both autoimmune disorders. Um, you know, sometimes low-dose naltrexone may help. Uh, you can... Look on, look that up, and do your research on low dose naltrexone because it's really helpful for autoimmune diseases. Eczema and psoriasis are kind of, you know, psoriasis is on the extensor services. The eczema is on the more on the antecubital spaces and the um, flexor surfaces, the insides of joints. Uh, but they're both autoimmune diseases, um, and, and you know, anxiety can flare them. Certainly hormones can flare them, um, but really interesting. So you have to take a multifactorial approach to it. First thing I start out with is diet. And certainly take a probiotic as well. Uh, hydrate, avoid sugars. It's hard to tell you to avoid stress, but, um, uh, and again, I like L-lysine as a supplement for your immune system. All right, let's move on to a, let's get a, a hormone question in here. Um, changing from a BHRT cream to a trochee in hopes of better absorption. I forgot to ask this. Clearly, it doesn't go through the digestion like an oral estrogen, which I know you are against. The question is, but couldn't trace amounts be swallowed and thus digested with your saliva as it dissolves under your tongue? Is this not a concern? And if you need me to go back. Um, no, no, it is a concern. That's why I don't use them much. Hardly ever use trochees just because of that reason. There's a lot of it's oral You know, you're swallowing some of it. So I don't, I'm not big on them. I like the creams and the pellets. Um, you know, I really just prefer them. I hardly ever use trochees. Some people do. Some people use oral. Um, is it, is, it's certainly better than nothing, but it can, remember it, when you do it orally, it can affect your clotting factors. It has to be metabolized through your liver. Um, again, sublingual, you don't you get nearly as much as you would by swallowing it. And it's certainly more bioavailable than when you swallow it and digest it. So it's better than a pill, but you still, you're right. You're exactly right. That's why I don't use them much. Mm. You know, when I go to all the conferences, not many of the, you know, the, the people that teach these things do either. Um, so good point. Great question there. And this is, um, let's see, it came in the same email. Um, what are your thoughts on this man do workout? And I sent this to you in an email. Um, since you mentioned your new physique machine, it made me wonder how this would compare. And the question is, uh, would this workout since it uses EMS be safe for someone who has had issues with extreme PVCs in the past? You know, I haven't looked at that email, so I don't know. I've never heard of that workout, but if it uses EMS, you know, which the physique that we have uses that, plus it uses a laser fat burner. Okay. So at the same time, so it's hitting both the fat and stimulating the muscle, but it's like you can get a workout without actually working out. Um, you know, if you have injuries or you know, it's pretty darn effective. It really is. Um, I love the physique machine, but, um, you know, I doubt it would bother you. One thing with that, I don't recommend that you put the EMS 
uh, especially in this case, on the chest. Don't use it for pecs. It wouldn't be safe. I, mean, I only use it on abs, glutes, you know, biceps, triceps, quads, hamstring. I don't use it on anything in the thorax, so it could. Hmm. You know, just don't just avoid it around the heart area, heart and lung area. But in the other areas, I don't think it's going to precipitate PVCs. I'd be shocked if it does quit doing it, but um, I just haven't seen this with where you're supposed to use these things. Just don't use it on your pecs for sure. Okay. What is a PVC? Premature ventricular contraction. It's a skipped heartbeat. Okay. They're very common. They're usually very benign. But in some people, they're bothersome if you have a ton of them. Again, cut out caffeine, reduce stress. Um, but PVCs are usually pretty benign. Mm. Um, but some people notice them a lot and they get scared about them and stuff. All right. Let's get to a, a, a grounding question. Uh, we talked a little bit about earthing, uh, well, the book Earthing, and uh, which is around grounding uh, last week. Uh, the question is, I've been doing some research on earthing and grounding. Has Dr. Rogers been able to see a difference in how his body feels since he has been using his mattress pad? Uh, goes on to say, I've ordered the pad and pillowcases, but still waiting on them to arrive. I'm excited to, to get started, but curious to, uh, as to how his body and mind have felt different since he began grounding. This is a good, I, I'm yeah, interested. Great question. Yeah, I can honestly tell you, I think it's helping me. You know, it's not earth shattering. It certainly wasn't overnight, but um, I really think it, I'm less stiff in the morning. Hmm. As far as the, you know, the mental aspect of it, I don't know yet. Um, but certainly I like having it, you know, if you read the book earthing, um, and I, again, I, I'm going to do a podcast on that really soon and go through the, the, uh, benefits of grounding or earthing, same thing. I think they're amazing. Um, so I definitely feel less stiff. Um, you know, last night I didn't sleep too well because when I woke up, my dog, Ike, who usually comes on the show, was sleeping right behind my head. And he's a big dog. He's never been in, even jumped up on the bed before. But <laughs> I woke up and he was right. I was I was like using him for a pillow. And I had no idea he was even there. So Really? He jumped in the bed? Know, maybe. Yeah, I think he wanted to become grounded. I think he's been <laughs> listening to some of my podcasts. And maybe he wanted to get grounded because he was laying right on my grounding pillowcase. You know, right <coughs> underneath my head. I I wonder if there was some sort of like natural instinct that he had around like the the grounding or earthing pillow. I doubt it very seriously, <laughs> but um, um, but uh, but yeah, I'm I'm really big on on grounding. I'm certainly uh, going to use more moccasins and, and walk on the dirt when it gets better weather for sure. But uh, it makes total sense. You should read the book. It's kind of convincing. You know, we're, we're electrical. Human beings are electrical. We just are. From I mean, your PVC is an electrical abnormality. Your brain with all the neurotransmission, that's electrical activity. Your mitochondria put out energy via the electron transport chain. I mean, <laughs> I was talking to the patient today, and we were talking about that. And all that stuff that I learned in college and physics and chemistry that I just memorized and didn't give a hoot about, about atoms and electrons and 
neutrons, protons, and all. You know, that stuff really, it's really useful, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Wish I'd taken more interest back then as I do now. Uh, I hope one of your uh, one of your chemistry professors is is watching the show, uh, so they can I say I told you so. Me. I don't think they'd be alive. <laughs> they probably wouldn't remember me either. Um, all right, let's get to a couple more questions, guys. Uh, again, this is the Performance Medicine Show. We're taking live questions this evening. We do this every single Tuesday at seven. So if you have a question for Dr. Rogers, go ahead and put that in the comments. We're going to get to every single one. Um, this question is around Pristique. Is it possible to get off of Pristique without debilitating side effects? I've tried repeatedly for years and can't function long enough to get off. Goes on to say, I went on them 12 years ago and don't need them anymore, but I can't get past the withdrawals to get them off, uh, to yeah. get off of them. What's your thoughts? You know, Pristix is, is an antidepressant that um, affects both the serotonin and norepinephrine pathways. So it's dual function. And those seem to be harder to get off than the, just the SSRIs. Even the SSRIs can be hard to get off, especially, you know, some of them. They really, they really are. Um, but um, this one in particular, that and Cymbalta seem to be really hard to get off. You can get off of them. You just have to go really slow. I mean, it may take you a year to get off of them. Mm. Just get on a tapering schedule. And you might even, in the meantime, get on something else like a supplement like saffron in the meantime, just to see if that would help you a little bit. Um, you know, that, that's maybe even consider low dose naltrexone. You're probably going to have to get on something else more natural to get off the heavy hitter like Pristique. Um, so take them at the same time? Yeah, okay. while you withdraw, yeah. Okay. Uh, but it's gonna, it may take you a year to get off that. Okay. Um, you know, unfortunately, but you can do it. There's no doubt you can do it. Uh, sometimes you feel worse before you build, feel better, though. Just realize that. Uh, thank you for that question that came in on Instagram. All right, last question here, then we're going to get to the comments here. Um, could an unknown cancer cause high levels of DHT for a male, or would that be unrelated? That's, it'd be unusual. Um, you know, um, testosterone usually can go, can break down in one of two ways. One, it can go to est estradiol, but the other, it can go to DHT, dihydrotestosterone, which actually is a more potent form of testosterone. Um, and I have seen that in a female. Uh, well, it actually wasn't a cancer, but it was a tumor. It was a, a, a Leydig cell tumor of her ovary that was causing her to have really high testosterone and high DHT levels because of that. You know, DHT, when, when you have too much DHT, it causes hair loss and prostate enlargement. Um, so, you know, I'm trying to think of any reason that you would get an androgenic tumor uh, I mean, it'd be really rare to have an adrenal tumor. When I found this other, I couldn't figure out why her T level was so high being off. She was never on any testosterone at all. As a matter of fact, I saw a lady today, I'm working up for a, a high testosterone level that's not on any. Um, 
any form of hormone replacement. Um, so it, it'd be really rare, but if it depends on how high it was, it may trigger me to want to, you know, do a, a more thorough check and maybe get a, a CAT scan of your adrenal glands if you're a male. Um, and certainly I do a once over and, you know, do a physical on you and make sure check your prostate and check all this other stuff. But, you know, certainly prostate cancer shouldn't cause a high DHT level. Hmm. Um, certainly uh, DHT can cause an enlarged prostate, no doubt about that. But um, that was the cause of it, not the result of it. So, uh, so rare, but see what it is and just make sure nothing else is going on. I mean, you always have to look into other things. Um, if you're a smoker, you need a lung scan. Um, you need your colon looked at anyway. Um, so you might want to look into it a little further, but um, I, I haven't personally found anything like that. It's not to say it couldn't occur, but um, it'd just be interesting to see how high it was and what the levels of the other hormones would be and do some screening test. Hmm. Um, but very good, very good question. All right. Thank you for that question that came on uh, through email. Um, all right, guys, we're going to um, take it to the comments here. Uh, we're going to try to get to as many as we can uh, here over the next uh, 20 minutes or so. Let's see if, um, where am I here? Um, looking for a question. Uh, Lauren, hello. Great to see you. I'm going to get to your question first. Um, I've been stressed and not eating as I should. I'm suddenly dealing with a lot of bruises. What can I take to help prevent this during my time of appetite loss? So it seems uh, uh, bruising uh, along with uh, it, stress and maybe not eating as, as, uh, as well as we'd like to. You need to check your blood count. Make sure your platelets aren't low. And I assume from looking at that, you may be losing weight. And we say not eating, I'm assuming you're not eating enough. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then because you're having the appetite loss because of stress. I'm like you when I'm stressed, I lose my appetite. Some people I gain more people, more people gain their appetite and gain weight. Um, but you got to look into the eating disorders. You know, why, why are you stressed? What can you do about the stress? Um, but the bruising, I mean, you can get, gosh, with bulimia and anorexia, if you're dealing with those, you need to see somebody for that sooner than later, get some baseline blood work. You can certainly throw your electrolytes off and you could, you could potentially, um, you know, throw yourself into an autoimmune condition and, and, you know, stress your platelets out and start bruising so that you really need to look into that and, and see somebody. Uh, like we do. I mean, we have a psychologist on, on, on our staff. We have a nutritionist on our staff and certainly we do extensive blood work and can, and can check that out too, but please see somebody that knows what they're doing sooner than later. Yeah. could, could definitely, you could be throwing some things off. Mm. I don't know if you've had blood loss, certainly, you know, stress can throw your menstrual cycles off, throw your hormones off. Uh, so please get a workout. All right, Lauren, thank you for putting that in there and, uh, and we'll follow up with you. 
Um, let's go to, to, to Mark's question. Um, what are your thoughts on camel's milk therapy for autoimmune issues? It may offer help for diabetes, allergies, autoimmune disease, and even autism. Uh, have you heard of camel's milk therapy? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, I have. Um, Mark, I hope you're doing well. Good talking to you. Um, yeah, I mean, it's the most expensive milk on the face of the earth for sure, but a lot of people go to extreme lengths to get it. You know, I've been reading about it for several years, and it does seem to have some healing properties, especially for autoimmune diseases. Um, so, yeah, I'm all for it. If you can, if you can get it, you can order it. For, there's one company that that gets it, um, and they're based here in the U.S. Uh, I forget the name of, but I'm sure you can find it really easily. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of things that uh, Camel's milk will do if you can if you can get a hold of it. Apparently, it doesn't taste that bad either. Um, matter of fact, I had a taste of it at one of my conferences one time. Yeah, I thought it tasted all right. They were promoting it. Interesting. Um, yeah. All right. Thank you for putting that in right. there, Mark. Um, I've, it's funny. I've not heard of, uh, of camel's, uh, milk. Um, okay. Uh, my brother, Steve, Steve, hope you're well, man. Great to, to see you in here this evening. Um, I have had high cholesterol for years. I tried a statin, but it hurts my muscles. Do you recommend trying a different type? I'm hoping to control or even reduce my plaque levels. Yeah. You know, we deal with this a lot. Um, certainly any statin can cause, uh, muscle aches, liver damage, pop your sugars up a little bit. Um, you know, some people will not ache with it with one statin and ache with another. Um, I seem to have the most trouble with my patients that are on Lipitor. Um, the one I would, if I had to take a statin, and again, I wouldn't take one unless it looked pretty bleak. Um, in other words, if I had a real high calcium scoring and uh, had previous known heart disease, like I had a stent or a bypass, then I probably would take a statin, not because it reduces your cholesterol, because it does have some anti-inflammatory and perhaps plaque regression characteristics. But, um, you know, so if I was to have to take one, I'd probably take a really low-dose Crestor, Resuvastatin. You can try that if you want. But, you know, you can always try a non-statin cholesterol like uh, Zetia, Venafibrate. You know, there's some others that, that aren't statins that can help some, um, you know, by limiting the absorption of the, of the cholesterol. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of ways around that. Um, if you want to go completely natural herbal, I like garlic tablets for that. Um, for sure. And, you know, and also see what your corneal calcium scoring is. And if you've got placking going on, then another thing I use on a lot of people, I put a guy on it today is uh, EDTA, which is a chelator, um, which means binding, clawing. There's a lot of evidence that uh, it can cause plaque regression. That's why so many people are lined up to get IV chelation, which is illegal in Tennessee, but in other states you can get it. But really the oral, I take EDTA, it's completely safe. It's even in baby food. Uh, but it, it, there's a lot of evidence that, that it can help uh, plaque regression. So 
you know, again, I hope you've probably had the the Cleveland heart panel that shows us the size of the particles, how inflamed they are. That APOB number is the most important number on there. Um, really, a total cholesterol means practically nothing. Uh, the APOB, if you look at all the tests, that's probably the one that means the most. And that number is a representative of um, not only LDL, but the particle size of the other uh, low-density lipoproteins like VLDL. It could be a function of triglycerides. Um, so, you know, if you get the Cleveland, we can really look at how oxidized uh, your LDL is, which is the bad cholesterol. HDL is known as the good cholesterol. But again, just a total and an HDL and LDL doesn't tell you much at all. You have to look a lot deeper than that. Um, you need to look at your LP little a, um, particle size, uh, ox amount of oxidation of your LDL, all your inflammatory markers like HSCRP and uh, myeloperoxidase and LP plaque uh, activity. So it's, it's kind of a complex thing. It's a, it should be a joint decision, you know, between patient and doctor. Um, so certainly I don't use a ton of statins myself in my practice. Um, just because of that, it can cause damage. Not that some people may not need it, may need it. And, uh, but most people don't. And you look, of course, you look at your diet. Um, think about those things. Yeah, we'll look at a little bit deeper and look at your CT calcium and see what your other risk factors are. You know, I get more aggressive with people who have a high CT calcium. They're smokers. They have hypertension, diabetes. I get a little more aggressive. Hmm. Um, uh, great question, Steve. Thank you for putting that in there. Uh, I'm going to get to Thelma's question on YouTube. Um, hi, is there a way of shrinking pancreatic cysts naturally? Um, what's your thoughts on this? Man, that's a good one. That You know, it just depends. It may be, I don't know what kind of pancreatic cyst you have. It may be an incidental finding. They were looking for something else and just happened to notice that. Most of the time I see that or cyst on a liver or spleen, it's usually incidental. It means nothing. If you're having pancreatic dysfunction, then you need to um, check your pancreatic enzymes like amylase, lipase, um, and, of course, do things like don't drink alcohol, don't smoke. Um, make sure your gut's working right. And you have the digestive enzymes like take digest shield, something like that, and take a look at it. Because that, that's a without knowing more about it, you know, I'm not sure that you know you need to worry about it too much. Hmm. All right. Thank you, Thelma, for that question. Um, let's get to I'm gonna put this up from Cindy. Um, you know, for the people who are, who are interested in grounding, uh, she says, I've been grounding about two months and also less stiff in the morning. Changes are subtle, but also have a sense of well-being in the mornings. I like Wonderful. that. Wonderful. The people I've talked to that have been doing it for a while, um, really, they swear by it. Yeah. You know, but it's not going to be something that's going to be a, you know, oh, wow. The first <laughs> few days you're going to, you know, Wow. I don't think maybe for some people it would be. Yeah. For me, it wasn't. I definitely am less stiff in the mornings. Yeah. And, you know, uh, seem to sleep better. 
for the most part. Uh, great question there, Cindy. Thank you for, uh, for uh, sorry, great comment. Uh, I'm going to get to Angela's question here on Facebook. Uh, this has to do with uh, long COVID symptoms in, in children. Uh, a friend has a five-year-old that's immune system hasn't been the same since COVID. What protocol would you recommend for children with long COVID uh, symptoms? Um, you know, uh, usually... I haven't seen too many. Of course, I don't see a lot of young kids, five-year-olds, but um, certainly um, you look at diet first. And, and the, the vitamins I like are, uh, of course, C, D, and a little bit of zinc. Uh, but also I'd probably use a little bit of NAC um, and maybe even consider – you know, I haven't used it on anybody that young yet. I have to look that up, but maybe a little. I use it on all my teenage and adult patients. I use LDN, low-dose naltrexone. Depends on what the symptoms are, how bad it is. Um, but certainly has thrown their immune system off, obviously. Um, the first thing I look at is gut. I know COVID can really throw your gut function off. Um you know, I definitely take probiotics and I would think about taking some of the other vitamins like I just recommended. Um, just at like a, like a uh, prorated dose based on uh, age? Based on weight, oh, age wait. and weight a little bit. Again, I just haven't treated any five-year-olds for long COVID. Usually the kids are pretty resilient to it. They just don't get that sick. So... Um, I'll look into it too with some routine blow work to make sure it's nothing else because um, they should be recovering uh, pretty well by now. now. I'm not sure how long it's been out. And, you know, by definition, long COVID is if, if after, mo after a month you still have symptoms. Yeah. Um, really um, interesting case. So it definitely deserves some blow work and a workup and maybe trying some natural things. But the first thing I do is look at the gut. All right, Angela, I hope that, that helps. helps. Uh, hope they hope they start to feel better. Um, let's get to to Jean's uh, question here on Facebook. Um, a friend of mine had knee replacement in September, and her hemoglobin was low after surgery. She didn't do well, and doctors found out she has a torn MCL and having another knee replacement and repair in two weeks. She is now worried about her hemoglobin, and is there something she should take to try and build her hemoglobin up before the surgery? So this seems to be kind of a surgery prep type question. Um, uh, what's your thoughts on this? So she must have had some blood loss from the first surgery, it sounded like, unless she's chronically anemic. Um, interesting. It's too bad she hasn't another one. In two weeks, it's going to be hard to build that up. I mean, that's the only thing she could do. It depends on how low she is. I mean, she could certainly, um, if it's real low, get a transfusion. But that's probably, she's probably not going to be that low. They wouldn't operate her on unless it's an emergent basis if she's that low on her hemoglobin. Um, you know, you can take iron. You can take vitamin C with the iron or right before you take the iron. But it's just going to, 
take a little bit longer. Definitely, if she's iron deficiency deficient, she can go to the hematologist and they can give iron infusions. Um, but it just really depends on how low that hemoglobin is. This vitamin D is all, always good. It's good to have a, a good vitamin D level before any kind of surgery. Some of my surgeon friends won't do any elective surgery unless uh, a person's vitamin D level is above 50. Mm. They just do better. But see what the level is and what the cause of the anemia is. And because it's just going to be real, very hard to take an oral iron tablet and see and get it up within two weeks. Um, so, but I'm sure the surgeon is aware of that. You know, they may have, they may want her to see a hematologist. Hmm. Some people bank their own blood in case they need a transfusion. Um, so they need to be prepared for that. Um, make sure she's not losing any blood anywhere else, like through her GI system. I assume from what I look at the question, it's from the first surgery. You know, she lost a lot of blood there. Hmm. Um, when she's at risk for losing more blood in the second surgery. Interesting. GM, we'll, we'll be thinking about, about your friend. That's a, that's a tough, uh, quick turnaround. Um, uh, so thank you for, for putting that question in there. I hope that helped. Um, let's get to, to Lisa here. Um, can scleritis be an indication of an autoimmune disease slash response? What is the best way to find out what autoimmune disease that you have? Medical doctor and Rheumatologists have not been able to uncover it yet. The scleritis is the latest thing to happen. What's your thoughts on so that? So your sclera, the, the part of your eyeball is inflamed. Um, yeah, I mean, it could be. You know, it could be something local. It'd be interesting to see what, you know, the ophthalmologist says about it. Um, but certainly, you know, if it's bilateral, it could be an autoimmune disease or an allergy or um, you know, I'm sure if you've seen a rheumatologist, they've run all the panels on you, like for Sjogren's and lupus and those type of things. Um, certainly again, I always go come around this, but look at, um, what you're eating. Make sure your gut is, is fine. Um, try the carnivore diet, you know, uh, get on digest shield. Um, you may even think about LDN. Um, so if you're not coming up with any traditional answers, you're going to have to look outside the box a little bit. Um, but I always start with the gut. Um, so read about the carnivore diet, read, read, uh, Dr. Paul Salandino's stuff about, yeah. uh, autoimmune diseases and the carnivore diet. Um, really interesting. You may be amazed. Always Great start, question, though. always start with the gut. That's a theme uh, of tonight. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, what a show. What a show. These questions were phenomenal. I'm going to put this up from, uh, from D-Lynn. Uh, I believe this is a comment. Uh, you said garlic tablets for high cholesterol. I'm using oil of garlic. Uh, will Oh, it's a question. Okay. Uh, you yeah. said garlic tablets for high cholesterol. I'm using oil of garlic. Will it also help? I'll have blood work in March. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. It should. Yeah. Um, Garlic is such a good, it may be the number one, you know, preventive herb out there. You know, I'm always big on vitamin D with K, but 
but garlic is very anti-cancer. It lowers your cholesterol. It's great anti-inflammatory. It's great for immune system. It's just fantastic. So yeah. Yeah, I'm interested to see too. Uh, for high and yeah, but get look at at least a Berkeley panel or a Cleveland Heart panel to see about your cholesterol, you know, to see if it's really something to worry about or not. I have people all the time that are needlessly worried about their cholesterol. Um, anyway, you know, it's cholesterol's not that ominous usually. Uh, Great I'm gonna, comment, uh, D. Lynn. Thank you for putting that in there and and sparking that conversation around garlic. Uh, you have, a, a, especially like, I know in office you're talking a ton about uh, garlic, so we'll, we'll continue to, to talk about it more here um, on our YouTube channel and Facebook and Instagram pages. Um, I'm going to put this up because I, I, I know Linda wants to see Ike. And, um, and I'm hey, not, are, are we going to be able to do well. it? Are we going to be able to? Let's we'll see if Ike will come down. Is Ike going to make an appearance? Ike, come here. I can't whistle much. <laughs> Uh, and I think, uh, Candy, right. I think Katie got your question uh, in regards to the uh, how to do the beef liver. I'm, I'll put that up. Uh, this is a, a comment from uh, Katie here. Uh, she drinks it with orange juice, and you don't taste anything but the orange juice. That's a, a nice little tip there, Katie. Uh, yeah. I go? Don't here, even I, taste the, uh, the beef come liver. Um, Good boy. I picked this up from a carnivore account I follow on Instagram. So cool. Um, Look who just showed up. Look, there he is. <laughs> I'm going to put this up from Carter. Carter's here for Ike, and I knew it. I, Carter, I knew this. I knew this already. What I didn't know was that Carter's also on the carnivore uh, diet. Uh, she I is, know. I know. She is. She is, a, is. A, a carnivore uh, advocate. Um, as I'm assuming, Matt, you should be a carnivore advocate here pretty soon. Uh, I'm guessing you're next up. Um, <laughs> Matt, Matt likes beer more than he does meat. I can tell you that right now. Uh, see, Ike, Ike <laughs> he likes beer and the UT Vols. That's what he loves the most. Matt likes and he beer. Seems to like the, Ike a lot. Beer and the UT Falls. That that sounds a lot like me, and I'm sure a lot of other people here uh, on the show. Uh, Montana, what's up? Uh, Montana's here for Ike as well. Hey, Montana. Uh, yeah. He's so the star of the show. He's the star of the show. There you go, everybody. Here, there's there's he's, Ike. He's a bath. He's, he he's a bath, but he's a happy camper. He's in his element. He's like, I'm getting some camera time tonight. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> All right, guys. Um, guys, that is a show. Ike, thank you for, for hanging out with us tonight. Uh, Doc, thank you, man. I appreciate that. Thank you, Ben. Uh, thank you for, for being with us tonight. Katie, thank you for being behind the scenes tonight. You did amazing. Uh, thank you for being behind the thank camera. You. Um, guys, Carter, Montana, gosh, we had, uh, Amber in here as well uh, to everyone on our team. Thank you so much for, for being with us and doing all the hard work that you do inside of our offices. We love you. Uh, Deb, thank you for being here. Uh, goodness. Thank you guys for all these wonderful questions, Steve. I love you, man. Uh, talk to you soon. Uh, doc, that's a show, man. What do you think? It's a great show. I, I think, think it's, it's a good. show. Enjoyed it. I think it's a thank show. Thank you, Ben. I'm looking Don't for my good night. night. Where is good night's sleep. Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode of the podcast. Uh, please share the podcast with your friends. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please subscribe. Uh, we will see you guys next time.